This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. No, like I can tell you exactly what happened. I, I left it at the, the old apartment. Man. Like now, I mean, consciously now it doesn't make sense. I mean, because you live in Chicago, it's winter. Suppose you should have a winter coat. Like, I know logic tells you that. Um, but I was never outside anymore, you know? So, like, I'm in, like, if I'm coaching basketball, I'm in a hoodie. And at this point, I'm either in a car, like, I'm Uber. I'm, like, back and forth. Like, I'm never, like, on a bus. Or I'm never outside long enough where I could, like... And that was just how life was. So, like, when I moved, I just kind of left this, the coat at the old place. Because it was just so big. Like, I mean, because, I mean... <laughs> the coat could take up its own chair on a bus. Like, I would wear this thing. And I would get on a bus, and I'd have to turn sideways. This fucking thing is so massive and warm. Um, it literally looked like someone killed a bear and said, All right, put that on. Put that on. Okay? Uh, so I would try to maneuver on this bus. And the coat at this point is bigger than I am. All because I got sick one year. And I'm like, I'm never doing that again. So we went and got this coat. I remember I was with my mom. It's like, where are we going to put this thing? Uh, so, like, it probably would have... Bringing that... That coat probably would have taken up the space of a box, two boxes in the moving van itself. That probably put an extra $25 charge. Um, so now, here I am, without a winter coat, trying to justify wearing the hoodies. <laughs> I, I was, I've got these overpaid gloves, overpaid hat, scarf, like, I look like the warmest snowman possible. <laughs> Just not wearing a coat. Uh, so I need. To, I've got. I got to invest in that. So I look like I 
am not actually crazy. So that that's the plan this week. Let's go shopping and see if we can We should probably start, right? Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the show. You're the DJ. I am the podcaster. I am your host, the actual podcaster, Mike Kincaid. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate your support. You could be anywhere doing anything with anyone in the world, 
and you have taken time to listen to this show, and I am very, very, very appreciative of that, because literally, you could be doing anything. You could be, you could be brushing your cat. You could be washing lettuce. You could literally be doing anything, but you've taken the time to um, invest your ears with me. So, thank you. Um, if it's your first time listening, appreciate it. Hope you are entertained. Uh, maybe get some laughs. Maybe learn something. Maybe just, I don't know. Hope I just keep you in, engaged a little bit. I will tell you right now, I am not the entertaining part of this show. It is always the guest. I have somehow miraculously put together a group of amazing, uh, astounding people to be on this show that are just a joy to learn and listen to. And I always say that. You all, I'm always learning something. There's no one that's not on the show that I'm not learning something from. And I hope maybe you as well. Um, this is your last time listening. Hey, I get it. I totally get it. I used to could eat shrimp. Is that grammatically correct? Probably not. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay, then. But still, I used to love shrimp. Loved it! Loved it! Um, and I recently found out in the last few years, if I eat shrimp, um, there's a good chance I'm going to spend the next week or so wishing I'd, um cut off my entire arm or something. I don't know. It's just my... No. My body has now decided that shrimp is not a thing for me. Which is probably good anyway. So... Maybe I'm your shrimp. I mean, I hope you don't cut off a body part for me, but... I give you a shrimp. Hey, that's understandable. Not for everybody. And for those that have been listening and supporting for so long, this is, you know... We've been together for a while. I appreciate it. I honestly do. I really do. So thank you. Um, like I said, it's not me as the guest, and today is no different. I have my old friend. Well, not that old, because I'm actually older than her. <laughs> but uh, I know we're, we're we're cool. We're cool. We hang. We no, we don't hang out. We've never actually hung out. Um, we're acquaintances. <laughs> No, um, I have my girl Delia with us today, and Delia, it's all sorts of entertaining, and like I say, you learn something from so many people, and she's extremely passionate, and I love talking to people um, who wear their hearts on their sleeve and are open and and, and just willing to, to share with us, and so... Get your coffees, get whatever you need to listen, because this is going to be an entertaining one. It's going to be a good one. Uh, buckle up for a good, good interview here that we got with my girl Delia. Um, I won't get more into it. Cause we're we're going to talk you off. So, but I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'll be back after this. But hey, enjoy the show. Now. We are with Delia Ritchie. Um, hi, Delia. Hello. You know, Delia, not you, Delia. I knew how to pronounce your name, but 
when I first got with the Cubs, Delia was the first person I met at Wrigley Field. And it wasn't you. It was this tiny, tiny, tiny little girl, uh, woman. And she ran the bleacher gate. And she was the scariest little woman I had ever met. And I will never, ever forget that name because she was the first Delia I met. And for an entire season, um, yeah, I was scared of this tiny little woman. And so I lived in fear of that name for quite a while. And now here we are, full circle, with a new Delia. <laughs> Yay. How Yay. are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. Delia, where are you from? Rogers Park. You grew Probably up in Rogers Park? I did. What's that like? So for a long time, I, so like I lived with my mom and we, she grew up in Rogers Park and we lived with my grandparents in a two flat. Um, they lived on the first floor. We lived on the second floor. And so uh, for 18 years, we lived in, I lived in that two flat. So that was pretty much where my childhood was. And then we moved my senior year across the alley to Glenwood. And so we stayed in the neighborhood for a good solid uh, 24 years, or I stayed in the neighborhood for 24 years, and I went to Loyola. So it worked out, like, just growing up, it was um, my first real introduction to just different cultures and different um, ethnicities, and it was awesome. Like, I, I can't complain. Like, yes, there were some stuff that wasn't that great, but there was stuff that was just, it felt like you knew, you knew your neighbors, because I had the luxury of having my grandparents live there for so long and then my mom so I knew my right. neighbors really well even the college kids would like try and be respectful and it was just really nice to grow up in a neighborhood where it, you knew people that you went to school with you knew people who um like it was in the city and it felt as though we were just in our own little world and it was great um so okay. I would say the top five neighborhood thing in the country is pretty awesome because it genuinely if I ever move back um which I probably will I would easily raise my kids there future really all right so where in Rogers Park do you live now I'm going to say this because I only know bits and pieces of Roger Park so, so I lived I lived on Wayne I grew up on Wayne Avenue so that is right off of Devon and I go by landmarks so that I grew up my what kind of felt like my backyard was Loyola University so like growing up it wasn't the greatest campus and then in the last 15 years it's had a complete turnaround okay so I know where you were you were yeah. by Clark and Devon ish Clark and Devon just a few like a straight chat down so, okay so. all right because I so I only because I, I lived in Rogers Park for a little bit um I lived um, was it, I lived on North Shore. Yes, I know exactly where yes. that is. There used to be like, there used to be like, um, this really cool, like, vegetable, like, it was like fruits and vegetables, you could get, like, go and get stuff there, and it was by, like, the Montessori daycare, pretty much. I remember that growing up. Okay. Um, and my mom and I would just kind of like go for walks and stuff and you're just right by the lake. So we would do like a little, um, walk around campus and yeah, 
that was something that I really clung to as I got older because it was just like a stable thing that I had that I had like I could just walk and be okay and then like whatever temporary problem that I thought was a big deal at the time ended up being like very much not at all yeah I really like that neighborhood so I yeah when I lived there our building was literally like a building away from the beach which is amazing and my favorite part um we were right by Chipotle you know yeah and my favorite part, my favorite part of Rogers Park, out of one of my favorite things in the city, is the movie theater. Oh, my God. oh, it's the best movie theater in the whole city. It's not like, and it's not fancy, which I, which is fine because I don't want it to be. I want it to be the same crappy little movie theater every time I go there because that's why I love it. Yeah, I had only my mom and I had only been to that movie theater a few times since like living there we've only been there a handful of times and the times we've gone they were either under construction like i remember seeing fred claws in theaters with my mom and we were like it's the middle of december it's freezing cold in here like we're my mom and i were like bundled up in our jackets and normally like in a movie theater it's really hot right you gotta you gotta layer up to layer down kind of thing we just wore like our like our parkas inside and we're like we can't even take off our parkas is it really supposed to be this cold it's like december it's not even like at that point global warming was really on the forefront of my mind so yeah like it's not even warm for december it's cold Uh, uh so but I, I grew up going to Century 12 in Evanston. So my mom and I would- I've been there. Yeah, I like that one too. I mean, but it, it's- It's fun. sadly no longer. And that was where I saw, like, I would go with my dad um, and my mom. And we'd just go see, like, we would go see movies that I was obsessed with at the time. So, like, Pixar was a very big deal for me as a kid. Still is. <laughs> okay. Um, and I would, my dad was like, you would know like exactly when the release date was, and we wouldn't have to wait 24 hours. Like we would just be in the theater. I'm like, nice. I, I don't remember that, <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like the four. I mean, the 400 was cool. Was it was actually for first of all, it's cheap. Yes. Second of all, and you're right, and like they were all they, when they're not under construction, um, it's pretty cool. It's very cozy. However, I also learned, and this is this is also an, an issue. It's ran by Loyola students, and not necessarily the most responsible Loyola students all the time. Oh. Like I have, I have been there, waiting to see a movie when the hungover person who is running the theater, yo, oh, many times. Many oh, so many times. times. I'm pretty sure I saw Fred Claus, and I was like, this guy looks like he's about to throw up. Oh, go, my like, gosh. Good. And you're like, well, like don't, um, don't be here yeah. eventually. Yeah. Someone will open a theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then start to pop more. Oh, it's amazing. But that's what I appreciate. I, I appreciate stuff like that. Like, I love, like, the bigger theaters. But, like, there's just some things that are just like, yeah. That's will, living. Yeah. That's what I, I expect from a theater by a college. By college students. Yes, that's what I want, honestly. My favorite um, 
I'm going to give a quick shout out to Music Backseater because for since I was 14, on and off almost every year, I've tried to go see It's a Wonderful Life in at the Music Box. With yeah. Because my birthday is December 23rd. And so we'd usually try and go to like the matinee if we had family. And every year it's like, I love it so much that I'm like, I don't care if it's like, we're singing Christmas carols that we all know word for word. It's great. It's magical. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. And yeah. it's stuff that like, as growing up as a kid, like having December, like late December birthday, close to Christmas did kind of like, it was awesome, but it was also like, I can't celebrate it at any point in the school year because Christmas break, yeah. summer break is your half birthday. Absolutely. But um, it just felt so special and it still is so special for me. Um, so I try to go as often as possible. Yeah. I know some of the, um, some of the Cub people go every year. I it, that's one of my favorite movies. Um, I, but I've only been there a couple of times. I went. To, I remember the first time I went to Music Box. Uh, it was on a date, and it was to see. Oh God, what's the name of that stupid movie? Um, Princess Bride. How'd you know? Yes. Is it the double feature with Casablanca and uh, Princess Bride? Because my mom and I went to the. Casablanca viewing um right before Valentine's Day and it was the sweetest thing because they had like couples come up and it was like they're like how long have you been together and, oh my like, gosh 60 years and my mom and I both look at each other and we burst into tears oh. <laughs> like, that's just so beautiful <laughs> and um it, it's just I loved seeing Casablanca because that's like there's certain movies where you see like you watch it like sound of music that's meant for me. I have to watch it at yeah. at at the music box or like it's a wonderful life. It it just it makes sense and it's been such a part of my at least my mother's side. Like my it's been a part of our family tradition. And then um, on my dad's side, I finally got through to them. Like, can we not watch the color version of the movie because mm. in the background it's distracting? I should not know what Mary's dress looks like at the dance. Okay, no one should. <laughs> It's black and white for a reason. We don't see it. That's true. That is true. Um, and then I wish we'd stayed for the Princess Bride one because I love that movie so much. Um, it became like a, I always have like sick day movies, like movies I watch when I'm in bed sick. And I told someone <laughs> out loud, oh yeah, one time my freshman year of high school, I got so sick from finals that Spike TV was on. And you know, it was on all day. <laughs> Rocksdale, Goodfellas, Casino. And I told people, like, if I watch, like, a Bronx Tale, I'm automatically better. Or if I watch Goodfellas, I'm automatically better. And they're like, you watch, what? You watch gangster movies to make yourself feel better? I'm like, wait, you guys, you guys don't? Like, what? Yeah, all right. You don't have, like, a movie that you watch, that you watched one time when you were sick and it automatically became your, wait a minute. What? And they're like, I watched the Barbie movies. I'm like, okay, that's oh. respect, respect for admitting that you watched the Barbie movies, but okay, at me like I'm. Um, so I just I, I love that stuff. I love the historical part of. Yeah, you know it's funny because so like one of the questions I usually ask is a bad movie that people that you well actually not people that you watch even though you know it's bad. It's one of your favorite bad movies. 
that you just you will watch every time it's on TV. God. So I have like a movie that I would watch, and it's a great movie, and it's it's shocking. Oh, then I know it's already bad. What, which <laughs> which like, movie is movie it? It's already bad that I would watch, no matter what. Um, so like I, oh God. I love like really cheesy romantic comedies. Um, I watched One Fine Day. And like it's cute. Oh my god! It's, it's George Clooney. It's, it's George. Yes, Hunter. it's George. Oh, even George Clooney hates that movie. They have a meet cute. They both forget they're neglectful single parents. Oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember. This was George's trip. breakout movie. Yeah, I remember <laughs> very well. I thought that was right before he was Batman, and that's why it, it was. It was. It was like <laughs> the big, the first big movie, like when he was off of TV, and it was one fine he was day. Off of ER. Yeah, and I was like, oh, and we were all excited. Well, I don't know if we, but people were excited, and then it was, oh, George. Oh, George. Hurry up and be Batman. Hurry up and be Batman. I'm like, Val Kilmer was carrying this role, and you had to go yeah. and ruin it. Yeah. Um, but I, like, I joke, like, I love, I, I just watch, I have to go back and watch the Batman like, I have to watch every single Batman just to define who my favorite Batman are, I Really? Guess. It's not an easy choice for you? Well, I mean, Christian Bale is, like, one you would think, obviously, great. Obviously. But for the Bruce Wayne part of it, Val Kilmer served in that. Like, he, he did that. Really? I, I, think I need to check that out more, because I'm always... Michael but I love Michael Keaton so much. Yes, like, I was like, yeah, person, I like Michael Keaton. Yes. As a person, and also as an actor, like, I love, but I love his, like, I love the other guys, which is a bad movie, but it's No, it's so not. Funny. See, it's, it's watch not a yourself. Bad movie. Watch you. yourself. It's not a bad movie. It is um, top, easily top three greatest movies ever, is what it is, is really? what you meant to say. <laughs> yeah. It's what you I meant mean, to it's say. up there for me, but it's not, like, it's the easily top ten for me, uh, if we're going the David Letterman route, but. <laughs> That's acceptable. I, my friend and I will go back and forth and text each other like different the other guys memes. Like I'll just send her like, oh my god, Eric Cheater's a biracial angel. You should. I say that all the time now, which I is, do too. I, I catch myself saying it, and I'm like, oh god, do people really not know this reference? Like he is, he yeah, is right? a racial angel. I and had then, this. I saw that movie when I was in the hospital by accident, um, and now it's at a point. Like his, it was just just happened to be on TV, and I'd never seen it before, and it was on like three times in a row, and yeah. now it's to the point I can't watch it unless I watch it from start to finish, or I won't like I I can't like I I because I'm so there's so much that I just find funny in it, just little things. I just love that Ice T narrates the whole movie. You know, like he narrates it. I love Ice T. Um, I actually, so I used to be like kind of a big John Laney fan before he decided to, you know, be Do not great. everything that he's doing. Yes. Yeah. Like be, be <laughs> you know, be the wife guy and leave your wife kind of thing. Um, but I have his, I have two stickers of his. One is, <laughs> it was such a beautiful day outside. I only watched three hours of Law and Order. And that's something that I catch myself doing on a regular basis. It doesn't matter which Law and Order it is. But the one where he talks about iced tea, where he's being explained something like, oh, so it's like when someone eats too much chocolate cake, right? 
or someone bets the house on the ponies. Yes. Bets the house on the ponies, right? He's being explained like pretty simple things for someone who works in the sex crimes unit. I mean, you know. And I'm like, sometimes you gotta ask the clarifying questions. I, exactly. I get it. I see. I have to be asked. I have to ask myself 20 times. Wait a minute. So you're telling me it's like this when really it's like this. You're like, it's people simple, stupid. I see. Yeah. You know, he keeps it real too on his Twitter. Like, I I enjoy his Twitter presence. (laughs) He's he's very, yeah. There's no being on the bush. I guess I'm just like an Ice T fan because I used to watch his like reality show on E like a long time ago. Oh, God. And then I like, I had to literally look in the mirror and like go, oh my God. The the baby they like, uh, Coco and Ice T had a baby. And that yes. was like, he was struggling to get pregnant. It was a really heartbreaking thing. And I felt their pain, you know, for some reason. I was like, simple, like attaching on this celebrity relationship. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's so sad. And then like, she's now 14. And I'm like, wait, what? No, she's not. <laughs> she's not 14. <laughs> she's like in her teen, like early teens. Like she's in her early, like pre-teens. Does she, does she look like Coco? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't. I think she looks and more like a up with Coco? <laughs> I, don't I don't know if anyone can look like Coco, but I I adored I adored their show because they were just like adorable, you know? Like I love when celebrity couples are just like even in the reality scripted thing, like they still keep it Yeah. And they keep it real and that's what I appreciated, I think. Cuz like I was it was also the time where I kind of was keeping up with the Kardashians. Um Someone said I was a very, I, my mom gave me access to cable. I see, I so yeah. Like, well, you, you invested. Know, like, you know what? I'm going to watch the stuff I probably shouldn't be watching at 12. But my mom was really proud of the fact that my best friends and I would come home and we'd turn on MTV. And that was when like 16 and Pregnant was still a big thing. Teen Mom and my mom. That's what like, she wanted you to watch? No, no, no. She was like, oh my God, why are you watching this? And then, and then, she, and then she looked at us. And then she saw like what they were actually portraying, like the real life struggles of being okay. And then she was like, "Oh, thank God you're watching this." Okay, yeah, no, we're we're not doing that. Like, this isn't this isn't glorifying it. This is actually showing like the real struggles of this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gotcha. And so I'm like, yeah, mom, we're only watching it because we're like, some of it's kind of, Gary's kind of funny, you know? Like, we don't like Gary. We hate Gary. It's not right for Andrew. Like, yeah. my friends are never invested in the plot. Like, All right. Yes. I but we were at the same time, like, absolutely not. Like, no way. Even at 
and we were just what 13 14 like before high school before things kind of got I don't know not real because I sometimes I think about my high school experience and I, I went from an all like a co-ed school and transferred to an all-girls high school and so I'm like and my friends that we all went to Regina. Oh yes, let's we let's go. talk about that. Oh god, <laughs> there's so oh. many things I could say, and there's so many things that like I never want to be ungrateful, like for the friends I made. Um, it was a struggle. I'm not gonna lie. Um, now, which know, part was the struggle? The part where like it wasn't just like I loved a lot of my teachers a lot of them had my back and a lot of them were really great um there's a handful that I would literally go up to bat for in a heartbeat um and some of it was like just the aspect like just trying to fit in and like trying to make friends and being like okay like this is part like I'm funny kid but I'm also very I have ADHD. I'm a little bit weird. I'll talk about sports to death. Like I'll talk about things to death. Right. And it's finding that balance of like, okay, I know when to talk. I know when to listen. I know when to not talk and just overanalyzing every major situation. I don't, I, I think like the first friend I made um, kind of caught me by surprise. Cause she was also a transfer student. Uh, and she was like the one that really kind of like saw me, we saw each other. We were in a support group together. And um, I could honestly say she was one of the closest friends I made. And I met her at the tail end of my sophomore year when things were like going to hell in a handbasket, kind of, so to speak. Right. That was the semester. That was the year I transferred to Regina. And so we met the spring of our sophomore year and we became close. And she always included me in things, even when it was like, not the thing to do like I was kind of being purposely excluded for different reasons I don't I don't know and I don't really it hurt a lot at the time but now since I've been through so many other things that are like better worse doesn't matter it's kind of like wow like the fact that she was one of the first people to kind of really see me um her name was Stella and uh I miss her a lot she passed away in 2018 no but um through her I was able to make like better friends and like actually feel included for once so I owe her a lot I still talk to her sister on occasion um I talk to her family I never let them not feel like I'm not checking in so it's part of the the grief experience of life is opening yourself up and being vulnerable and wanting to make a friend and then um ending up losing that friend that kind of made me less vulnerable and want to become try my hardest to like be open to the opportunity of the pre stuff so gotcha. I, I still get a little choked up talking about her but thankfully i've been able to overcome a lot of that <laughs> All right. um, but i wear this like i got this necklace um you can't really see it but it's like an imperfect oh you can star. totally see it i mean it's an imperfect people star. won't because it's not a video but yeah it's it's an imperfect star and i got it like a few days before her birthday and so I never I didn't think about it and like how she was just like this bright star this bright light and she brought out a lot of the light that I had kind of turned off and didn't want anyone to really see wow. so, it's 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 a Pearl Jam song how about that it's a Pearl Jam song is it though Yes, that's a totally. It's one of my favorite songs. I, when I when I met Eddie Vedder, I told him that it's one of my favorite songs. 
It's um, and it's not like a big song. However, the main lyric and one of the lyrics he says is um, your life was a star. No, your life made us all stars or something like that. Oh, it's light years. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Look at you. It's one Look of at- I. I should have immediately connected with like the yeah. Your light made us. Your light made us stars. Yeah, I'm she, impressed. You know that. Oh, it's one of my. I listened to it the summer after she passed away, and then like, I don't know what it was. But it was one of those songs that you kind of like cling to in the moment. Yeah. You know why? Like you can't really take your grip off of it. Um, I've had a lot of those songs in my life where like you just hold on and you're like, don't don't leave me, don't annoy me. You can't you can't annoy <laughs> I cling on to you. Yes. Um, because, oh my gosh, now I'm thinking about it. The, one of the first songs that like I really kind of clung to, I kind of thought of it as like a silent prayer. My family on my mom's side were huge Springsteen fans. So 2003, my grandpa passed away when I was about six. So this is my maternal grandfather. And The Rising had come out that year before. Oh, wow. It was a 9-11 album. But for us, we were I was just listening to it and Count on a Miracle became like, I really want my grandpa to pull through from a stroke. And then he had a major stroke, another major stroke. So it didn't, didn't pan out the way I wanted it to, but it still like hit me in a way that like songs do like when you really need to hear it and you really need to hear a song. Um, My sibling, my, I have three younger brothers um, and my, my middle brother, Teddy, he's, 17 now he the first song he really emotionally connected to was vincent by don mclean of all all artists all songs and i'm like well this is about he was little so i was like this is about vincent van gogh like this is about like his struggle like his stuff and he's just like i like i just really like this song and i really want to keep hearing it i'm like okay little dude like we'll keep hearing it it." and then now we'll send like text messages about how the cars movie soundtrack is one of the best soundtracks of all time for a kid's movie like wow and it is i'm fully going on on record and saying fair enough not it was just a great i love that movie i love that trilogy i guess it's technically a trilogy but it's technically um, a trilogy yes but the third movie i love most of all because uh one of the producers would like during the first movie when Paul Newman was still alive would record their talks and it was like the third movie was just as much as Doc Hudson who was played by Paul Newman right it was hit it was Lightning McQueen's love of Doc Doc Hudson as well as the produce like the guy who was in charge of like the voice whatever Um, so I love I love finding out factoids about that and then crying a little bit so I'm like that's just really sad that's really happy but really sad no, that's I I kind of enjoy that little detail too about life. Yeah. Um, I will tell you um you know Bob that used to be a supervisor at Wrigley. Um yeah. I would well I wouldn't say I was a Yeah, I wouldn't say I was a big Springsteen fan, but there was another supervisor who passed away before that. Like a couple of years before, it was a huge Springsteen fan. And then Bob passed away. Um, and I heard the version of, God, what song was it? 
uh, Thunder Road, and it was the acoustic yeah. version. And now, like, anytime I think of, like, it, now it's one of my favorite songs. It makes me think of Bob and, like, just, it puts me in a sad place, but a happy place. I definitely get that. Um, yeah, and I love songs like that because, I do too. again, there's people and stuff like that. Like, again, you said the rise, immediately when you said the rising and 9-11, again, when it, it's a, it's one of my favorite songs just because it's just like rebuild. It's like a, a big motivation song for me, but it has meaning to it. So it's, yeah. it's, and I, so I love when songs can take you down that emotional yeah. road, even though you like, like I, I love that. I've definitely been guilty of like, I'll accidentally put a song on shuffle and it's a song that I didn't think to hear. And it's, it reminds me of a loved one. So like last year, um, my uh my mom's cousin so like I call her like my auntie grace like my my aunt grace passed away and she was sick for a long time at her funeral um they played oh my god it's the pretenders it's uh oh my god I know it's it's playing in my head as I think about it and I can't think of it but it's about Mary like it's about it's uh it's like she will always carry on. Something is lost. Something is found. I know this title. I can't think of it, but it it played on shuffle like almost a year after she passed, and I yeah. I, started, I started bawling my eyes out. I was like, I can't. I still can't listen to this song yet. Um, another song for me is uh, she talks to angels for obvious reasons. Like my friend passed away from an overdose. Mm. I can't listen to it. And I used to listen to it carefree, like my mom would put it on and I wouldn't have an issue with it. And now if it comes on, I'm like, damn it, no, I can't listen to it. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. It is. It is a tough one. And uh, another tough one for, at least for my mom and I, uh, her best friend passed away from cancer. And so we, she put Terry's song by Bruce Springsteen on the uh, on like one of the Bruce playlists that she made for her and it's like when you they built you they broke the mold and so we always just go like yeah they really did like she was one of a kind and a very special person and um she was a very focal part of like our white I always say like my White Sox family I say it fondly because I do have a White Sox family and we're all born and raised Sox fans so oh boy yep it was gonna come up. It was gonna come up. It was gonna come uh, up. But I, I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, like it was mainly the reason that at least my family's family on my mom's side are Sox fans is because the Wrigleys were owned by the Wrigley family. They were not Catholic, uh, and they mm. had Joe McCarthy as the first Irish Catholic manager. Then they fired him. Then he went on to have a successful career with the Yankees. And so at the time, there was a lot of upheaval amongst the Irish Catholic community in Chicago. And a lot of them decided, okay, well, we're going to be Sox fans because this is really not great for us. Like, we really wanted to. It's <laughs> not great for us. No. Not great for us because uh, he did his job and you guys didn't provide him with the support that he needed. And then he ended up with the Yankees and had support. So. <laughs> It was mainly out of like pettiness, but it was also I'm like I could see it. But my grandfather, um, my maternal grandfather, grew up a Cardinals fan, and they played at Soldier Field, or what was Soldier Field? Like, was it? Right. Soldier Field? 
fine, but like where Soldier Field is now, that's where they played. And the Bears played at Wrigley. And so my grandfather stayed a Cardinals fan until he passed away. So he followed them all the way to Arizona. Not literally, but like he followed the team until they reached Arizona. Yes. So my and side note, like my they went up north uh, to the Northwoods and they go to the Packer Hall of Fame. So that's how my uncle became a Packers fan. And I kind of just didn't really pay much attention to football at the right. time. Child. So I didn't really pick a team out of solidarity. I was just like, all right, we're going to, we're going to stick with the White Sox on this one. And just growing up to, I had the option. I went to both Cubs games and Sox games. Like it wasn't like one or the other. So um, I didn't, really see a rivalry as a kid because you're kind of just like all right yeah one or the right. other right. You know? but a lot of my friends who are Cubs fans like we got to do an out I was in second grade with the Sox in the World Series so I was seven and oh. oh I know yeah I was seven years old um it's weird to think about because I'm like wait a minute I was seven and then some people go you were seven and I'm like yeah um, I remember it vividly. <laughs> like I was right. with my grandmother and that should. Was, well, I was with my grandmother and she was when the Sox made the World Series in nineteen fifty nine, she made homemade scorecards for my grandfather. Nice. Um and we I don't know if we ever kept them. I don't think we did. But she would literally make homemade because he was a season ticket holder until he passed away. So he was a huge um Sox fan. It was kind of like one of those I would joke and say, compare it to, it wasn't as bad as Jimmy Fallon in Fever Pitch, where he had like white socks, every, like red socks, everything, but it was, right. pretty, um, he instilled in like my family, respect the game first, love your team second. And so it was very much a very, it was, it was pretty much just, I fell in love with baseball is before I could even remember. And it was one of those things where like, I was born in 97. And then 98 was the summer of like the home run, battle. home run race. Yes. Home run race. And you hear about it growing up. And then I don't know why, but like, maybe it was another one of those days. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. What? You were born in 97. Yes. So you never even, you didn't, oh, Jesus. I mean, like I didn't, I was too little to know what was going on. Uh, no, I'm just, it's just a, it's amazing to, to it hits me. when everyone got caught. <laughs> Basically, I was old enough to find out when people got caught. Okay, yeah, because I, I my I first year in Wrigley is '98. Okay, so my so. first Sox game was when I was six months old. Perfect. Yeah, and there's <laughs> a picture of me. I grew up like again. That's probably why I tried to go to Cubs games because. I had a weird thing about fireworks. Like I couldn't hear, I couldn't listen to fireworks as a kid. And as I got older, I'm like, is there a possibility you could have been like involved in a war at one point? Because this is only what like, this is what happens to dogs and people with PTSD. So yes. either you had, you had a past life where you had PTSD or you were a dog. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I don't know. But I thankfully, thankfully I maybe hit six and I was like, all right, Frank Thomas is going to keep hitting home runs. I got to get over this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, please. And um, 
God, I think my favorite memory is a Sox fan. I, I worked for them last summer and that was a great, it was a great season, despite the fact that we had a manager where I was just like, mm. man, come on, come on. Yeah. And this is a disclaimer. I ho- I wish Tony all the best. I hope he gets the health, like his health gets taken care of and he's on a full road to recovery, whatever it is, for sure. However, White Sox, I swear to God, if you promote within or hire a former player, have we learned nothing from Robin Ventura? Have we learned anything from that? It's to not do that. Not do that. You know what's going to happen? Uh, well, actually, it probably won't happen because I mean, I love Kenny Jim Williams Tommy is still so there. I love Jim Tomey so much, but I, I love him as a person. I don't want my White Sox memories of him tainted in any way. No, it's going. What's the only thing that can happen <laughs> is they're going to hire sitting in, He's sitting in the broadcast room. They, I am. I have a, a weird. My um. I have two choices, which I think I'm going to do. I would. Popular opinion says Joe Madden. However, opinion, I would not mind Joe Madden as much as I want Joe Girardi. I love Joe Girardi. I also love Joe. I have Joe Girardi as the manager on my video game for the Sox. Um, that's how much I love Joe Girardi. However, I, in my I, dream, um, I would not be upset if they said, okay, Ozzy, let's try this no. one more time. See, <laughs> I, I would hope not. Um, I love Ozzy. I have an Ozzy Guillen signed bear. Um, yeah. It's a Build-A-Bear. I made it at Jacobs Field, the former Jacobs Field. Jacobs, um, yes. And it was a White Sox series. I was young. It was my mom. It was one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite trips I ever did with my mom. Because not only did I get to meet Barack Obama, who was running for president at the time, but I got to meet like half the White Sox. It was mm. a great spring break for me. And sounds like it. Ozzy Guillen, ironically enough, we had two Christmas cards that year. If you were not, you know, if you were a Dem or you know not offended by Barack Obama, you got the Barack Obama card. Yes. If you were a White Sox fan, you got the Ozzy Guillen card. So my mom strategically did that. I'm like, that's so smart. Because now people have two different Christmas cards of us as a family. But the one, so I I made the bear. And here's how vindictive I was as a 10-year-old. I named him Jim Tomey in the place where he used to play in Cleveland. Oh, I yeah. thought I was, I was playing chess, not check. I was playing chess. Clearly playing checkers clearly and he was in a white sox uniform so i thought that added a layer to it i was like all right not only is his name jim tomey he's in a white sox uniform and it has jacob's field on it this mm. is the hat trick of vindictiveness <laughs> and nice begin, like he walked by so we were at dinner it was john Danks's birthday and i remember this like my dad managed to get us a reservation and <laughs> my parents weren't together at the time but he's like i want you guys to have this really nice dinner at morton's it's in the ritz like area so like you would go out and yeah. go there um and my mom was like it's the one place i can afford to stay in the ritz so we're doing this like screw it we're going so i um he like as he walks by and he goes I like your bear. And I'm like, me? My bear? My bear? Like, what, sir? And he's like, can I have your bear? And I'm like, no, not at all. You're, you know, this is my bear. This is my bear. 
Um, and he's like, okay, can I at least sign it? And it's like, you can take a picture. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Like, that's totally fine. And earlier that day, I had literally bumped into AJ Pruszynski and I was on the phone with my dad and my phone falls and he picks it up and gives it to me. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I love this guy. Um, <laughs> I, love, as he, I love AJ. And AJ is one of those people where I'm like, I loved you when you were on my team. And now that you're, you work for the man and I'm saying the man, Fox Sports, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a fan of him coming back and being a manager. I That's right. Yeah, he's also on the list. Yes. I love him to death. I wish nothing but the best for him. I actually did serve his younger brother um, at my retail job and it was super like, I'm like, hold on, you really to AJ Pazinski? And here I'm thinking, like, is this his son that no one, like, is this his son? He's now just old enough to have his own credit card and stuff. Like, right. it was his younger brother. Thank God. Uh, I was like, okay. okay. All right. Thank God. I thought it was his son. Um, but, yeah, normally I'm just, I just grew up around the Sox mainly. And it was just, it just felt. So what was your favorite sock? currently of all time all time because currently it's a currently it's a currently, currently it's jose abreu and i'm gonna be really i'm gonna cry yeah, well, my I, I, can't, be, <laughs> I can't we won't yeah we can't talk can't about think, that i can't uh-uh. talk about it i'm not ready okay. um, but i would say all time i mean patrick sharp said it best paul canerico is the most underrated chicago athlete oh come always on. will be I, I love Polly. I will always love Polly. But okay, love that's fair. That's fair. The second is Frank Thomas. Um, and yeah. yeah, number three would be well, Jermaine Dye, Mark Burley. Oh my God, why why did I not? All say right, Mark uh, that's fair. That's Mark fair. Burley's probably like tied for my love. Like as much as I love Polly, I love Mark Burley. My number, my number three favorite White Sox of all time is Bobby Jakes. Um, um, and <laughs> reading his players' Tribune article about like what he went through um, after, like during his time with the Red Sox, like it just really broke my heart. And it's that yeah. those kind of stories that like just solidify why um, why I wanted to work in sports and why I eventually will hopefully work in the mental health side of. Gotcha. Sports. Yeah, I um. A lot of people don't know this. I, I grew up on the South Side. I grew up a, a huge White Sox fan. Um, my fam, like my f- entire family, worked right near um, Tomiski Park. And my high school, St. Rita, we would do a walkathon to to the home opener every year. And yeah. so my favorite, Ozzie Gann used to be one of my fa- favorites, but I grew up. At first, my favorite player was Harold Baines because he gave me his batting glove once. My mom also, full disclosure, I think one of the only baseball players she bawled her eyes out when he got traded was Harold Baines. Yeah, Harold was the, he was the man. And but then, she was also a huge um, Carlton Fisk girl. Yes, it was that, it was that era was for awesome. One yeah. year. And she tried to make fun of me for being Duncan Keith for Halloween. And I'm like, <laughs> You were Carlton Fisk. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think you have the upper hand here. I do. So yeah, those teams were good, but I but I mainly remember, and these are my my favorite. favorite. I grew up when when Frank was Frank, 
and my favorite pitcher, even to this day as a White Sox pitcher, is Jack McDowell. Black Jack McDowell. Black, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. They were just so at that time. They were just so both of them were so dominant, and so and I remember even though we never got there, and that's just when Robin was still there, and they like you just you could feel they it. Really, they had an energy about oh. them. Just so oh, it was raw, and like you hear about again, like I've heard about that secondhand, like from the like my family that's seen it. My like my grandpa and my uncle were at Michael Jordan's like spring training debut or something like that. Yeah, it was, like, where he was in center field or like whatever it was, it was like his debut. And when they still did exhibition games before, right after right after spring training, but not before, like yeah, before they get yeah. Yeah. And so this is really just, yeah. And so I know, and I definitely know you've never seen Bo Jackson play. However, I wasn't. No, sadly, I wish I did. I if wish I, did. I mean to understand how good Bo Jackson was as an athlete, would basically be just saying, imagine LeBron and Aaron Judd as the same player playing once like two sports. Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you can't even say that because like you can't even like express that because he was playing football like yes. intense sport well well very well yeah. and then baseball was just like you know yeah i'm gonna be a two-sport professional athlete and i'm like that's not gonna happen ever <laughs> like it, it's rare if it does and there's kids that like you know like jj watt i love jj watt i will I, I, am I mad that he played a sport after getting his heart pumped? Like, get brain bought back to life? Yes. Uh, okay, well, let me get it. And I'm glad you brought that up. Because yes. I just read that. I just read that that happened. And he said it. And, and, and it hits home for me because I have AFIS. Yeah. And, I, and given the same opportunity of, well, and they make it sound so simple at first that like oh no we can shock your heart into place like it's but it's not they again exactly what you said you actually stops the heart at some point yeah and like you have to like stay in the hospital like it sounded simple but the point they like well you're still gonna have to stay here like four days because we did just stop your heart it's what they tell you which is why i'm like ah i'll just kind of work it out with medication before I decide. So when I saw that he did that and then played is insane. Yeah. Like it's not, I, oh my God. It's so like, I want to go into sports psychology. I want to go into like the field of talking to athletes about their problems. Like I, I want to go into a field where I can be like one that goes, hey, hey, before you go on the field, with a concussion maybe we should not do that yes which is crazy thing which is yes. even bigger today like um, it is it was I not i never i'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name but the miami quarterback oh to uh i i know is to us yeah yeah there's two us as we say to us when the whole world can see you're concussed yeah see you're concussed and, and you it's it's, yeah it's easier to see like the signs now because like every kid now has to do a baseline concussion test at least i had to do it in high school and it was 
great because there were times where I like I legitimately thought oh god I just got hit in the head with I had played the cross and I was a goalie I got hit in the head and it was like the side of my helmet that didn't have as much protection as I thought yeah and rips a ball at me and mm-hmm. I block it with my head not a smart move because it's the size of like a minor a mini little softball pretty much right this big um but the thing about the toll it takes is like you don't think about it you don't think about it in the moment you don't think about it i don't think jj watt thinks about it i don't think not at all they don't think about the long-term effects and then that's yeah that's That's one of the things i said on the flip side in the nhl you're seeing players retire at younger and younger ages like in their 30s when like they could still play but they realize i have kids i have like a family to think about absolutely Corey crawford retired i think he's 30 something in his 30s i want to say he's in his 30s he had young kids so he's like i'm retiring you know yeah i'm done and andrew shot same thing early 30s like really young could have maybe but he had concussions and he's like i'm not letting my kids live with a well yeah i think i like I'm not letting my, letting my kids ever think that I can't remember them. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I think some football, like football players are starting to realize the same thing as well. Andrew Luck did the right thing. I, I will say this, as much as you hear about like Colts fans, like, God, Andrew Luck was like, he was the next quarterback after Peyton, like that really could have done. He did the right thing. Oh, absolutely. For his family, for himself. Absolutely. He absolutely did the right thing. I will not shame him for that anyway. And then like, if my brain bears into this, if Justin Fields gets hit, gets hurt, if he decides, all right, my brain health is more important, that's not that's up to him and that's totally his right. Like I don't think any fan who calls himself a fan should be all because Goodell, I will say oh god, no, I can't bring that up. No, never mind. You can't? I I don't know if I can, because <laughs> he's the man. Uh but <laughs> all right. what I was most surprised by is how he kind of adjusted after the concussion movie came out. Like, that's when he started seeing stricter protocols. And even the protocols well, now. I mean, you know what? It's part of it was, I mean. You had to get with the times. You had to. And it's been proven. That, well, there's no proof. And what, how much the brain goes through in the trauma. However, it's not a coincidence that, like, a lot of players are, like, 
who have had numerous concussions have ended up committing suicide. Like yeah. it's not a, right? like their their lifestyles are completely changed from seeing super healthy to oh my god now I can't remember my like yeah. it's it's you, you can't deny that that's happening you know yeah. and even I, though yeah I think about Dave Durson, um the former Bear safety who oh jeez uh, yeah that was just tragic and I met his son Treg uh, a couple of years ago when he was trying to run for office and then he ended up not running and yeah he was like i really want to like talk to you because i think that and that was the beginning of like at that point it was maybe a few it's 25th it was 2017 but at that point in 2015 i kind of wanted to shift gears in terms of like mentally i'm like i could do pr but it's not gonna it's not gonna be a fulfilled it's not gonna fulfill me in any way and then it kind of shifted into, I think I really want to be a sports psychologist because I saw like the, in 2011, there were so many NHL players that died and they ended up all having CTE. If they told their brains, like it was a pretty much the people that players that died. And one of them affected me so deeply um, because he had depression and they were trying to see like, well, is there a connection there? Like he was diagnosed when he was 14 and I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety at 14. So like the, the kindredness of it was just really coincidental. And he ended up wearing like one of my favorite hockey numbers, which is 37. Like I always loved that number for whatever reason. It was like, even though I don't like odd numbers, it was just, it was a good number. Like I liked that number in the association. Right. Um, and I was just like, got it. I'm like, you could have there there could have been someone and he had friends he had um his teammate who still talks about him to this day kevin biexa who's one of his closest friends on the team he knew and he didn't he didn't know what to do and so that's why he works directly with the organization still and they do um mental health talks and stuff like that so uh he passed away in 2011 and that's one of the first hockey players that i'm like I connected with his career because he was a fighter, like he was an enforcer, and I really loved that about him. And then I even connected more in after his passing because I'm like, there's got to be something you can do. Like, there's got to be something, something out of the box. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you got to talk to people. You got to check in. And that's when I started really. God, I was what 14 so there wasn't anything I could do I was in eighth grade or about to go into eighth grade I'm like right. I can't really do anything at 13 right. um, but as I got older like I just became more of a if you need to talk to me about something like just let me know let me in like I, I'm I'm gonna knock on your door and be like hey metaphorical like just <laughs> yeah hey, I'm here um and I didn't realize how deep it went like how affected I would be until Steve Monador, who played for the Blackhawks, passed away in 2015. And that was mm-hmm. directly from chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And that was like the summer of my, the winter of my junior year of high school. And I'm like, all right, I got to do as much research as possible that I can get my hands on as a fit, as a 17 year old girl. Who yeah. has no college degree yet. No, nothing of that sort and so that's when I started doing like speeches and stuff and talks about in papers and it culminated my junior year at Loyola when I did a 
courts law class and I did a legal paper on like who's liable, you know, like where's the liability in this? And there have been times where I've just, yeah, I've been so distraught and so disappointed. And there have been times where I'm like, oh my God, the bear, the bar is so low that you raised it this much. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're absolutely right. And there's no shame in play. Like there is some level of just wanting to be the advocate and wanting to like advocate on behalf of athletes and people are like oh my god why would you like they make so much money why aren't they just i'm like no because they're in a culture where it's not okay to talk about that stuff yeah well and and the whole money thing is like not everyone makes that money and um especially the nfl where money isn't guaranteed and you're kind of fighting for your job every week and if you're like i need the play to keep my job to make money to survive I'm going to get out there no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's kind of what happened no with the Miami thing. He's he's fighting for his job. They tried to get Tom Brady in there last week. Like, you know, they're trying to make a trade for another quarterback in, in the offseason. Like, he's literally fighting for his job. So, concussed or not concussed, there was no one to tell him, hey, don't go. You can't go in yeah. there because – that's what he's I'm he's, I'm killing myself so I have this job so and yeah they do people we need more advocates especially I mean because so one of the things I saw what was big for me I'm a wrestling fan yeah um, and and so I was impressed and so I've actually talked to Chris Norisky about it yeah, yeah um about this issue because I was having a hard time dealing, well, I shouldn't say have a hard time. Um, I know a few people having a hard time with the whole Chris Benoit thing. Chris Benoit, yeah. I looked into that case 10 ways to Sunday. I looked Mm. into it and I'm like, you can't use CTE as an excuse if there were already underlying issues. Like if there was a history of domestic violence, there was a history of, like the way, what disappointed me was how the fallout, what you learn years later, like years had, later, yeah, you had posthumously, it's only diagnosed posthumously, but you can detect now it's great, you can detect some symptoms early on, right? Right, um, like my dad played football and played hockey, and he's like, I likely will have it, I've already noticed a shift in my moods, and right, I'm like. Great. Good to know. Like my grandkids, he um, served in the Korean War and like, or, no, not Korean War. He served in, he served, he served and he likely had, because he played football, had like, like whatever. Yeah. He had. And it's scary because you're like, that's my dad. That's someone that I love. And that's someone, it hits closer to home, but it just makes me want to do it more like want to go to back to school eventually. And, uh, Boston was the first city that came to mind because they started the brain bank. Brain bank yes. And 
they take veterans, they take athletes. Like I've been so proud of, it sounds like a dark thing to be proud of, but like, I was really proud of the NHL players that were like, I'm donating my brain. Yes. Science because I know I have this and I know it's going to affect me. And I just want my family to have the closure of like, it's, I'm still the son or the daughter that you had. Right. Had something hurt me. Okay. I'm glad you said that because so as of coach, I have had to be that person to say, no, you, you can't, no, I'm being super cautious. You can't play. Um, however, if you have a kid and your kid is, and I have a lot of friends who kids are now starting sports, starting hockey, starting football, and they're really good athletes. Is there a caution if you have a child to say, and your kid really wants to play football or hockey or soccer, like a physical, cause I stopped playing sports because I didn't, um, outside of basketball, I did not want to get hurt. And it wasn't just a, a, a concussion thing. It was just, I just don't want to get hurt and not be able to function as a human being. Yeah. Um, Knowing what you know and what you do and what you studied, your kid comes to you and says, I really want to play football. Part of me, um, I'm not a parent yet. I, I, I plan on becoming a parent, but if my kid came to me saying like, this is my case, this is what I'm presenting to you as this is my, my mom. <laughs> like this is like i'm gonna have to make the kid do like a powerpoint presentation almost. Uh, okay uh i won't be that intense but like if th- like that's my career that's what i see on a daily day- day-to-day basis i don't want them to be i don't want them to not have the experience being on a team i don't i want them to be a part of a team i want them to be able to play a sport where they feel like they can thrive However, I will advocate for the kid to be a kicker or like the least likely injurable <laughs> position. Like, hey, honey, you can be Robbie Gold or Mason yes. Crosby. This is what we're, this is the level Let's we're doing. Practice these, these field goals. So yeah, yeah. You Get practice those field goals. There. You practice There's those not enough kicks. kickers, yes. There's not enough kickers, and that's a high, highly sought after position. Yes. Or, honey, you could be the water boy, you know, yeah. Bobby UK. <laughs> yes. Every team has one. Yes. Um, you could be Rudy. He didn't really get hurt, I don't think, in the movie. <laughs> he did, no, he did not. Um, but it's a I, tough I, question. Yeah. It is a tough question because, like, I'm not in that position where, like, I can confidently say one thing or the other because I'm not a parent. I'm not a mom. Right. Um, and I've talked to other, you know, like, I – was an assistant manager of the men's hockey team at my old at St. Mary's, Minnesota before I transferred to Loyola. And so I would kind of like, I didn't get to talk to as many of the moms as I wanted to, to be like, what, what did you do? Like when you found out about CTE, about concussions, like your son has had a couple like this season. Yeah. That's not, that didn't happen. I'm just saying like, hypothetically, like if he sustained more than one, like, what baffles me is that the NHL's policy is like you can't have it's like I think the minimum is eight the minimum is eight like throughout (laughs) your career and I'm like Sidney Crosby had like two in one week almost he almost did not return to play hockey 
and that's like a like a sobering mm-hmm. fact because that was right after he won in t- 2009 yeah and part of you wonders like part of me was always like you know trying to do the scared straight thing we're like he's got one more concussion and his brain's gonna die. like i i wanted to be the scary intimidating person but i was also coming at it from an empathy angle like maybe he just feels like he can't he has no personality outside the sport that he, he can't st- i mean that's that's all like and just seeing that like being being around athletes and being it that's sometimes that's all they know yeah that's all they know and like trying it's to all function done, it's all they've been trained in like i think of kids like Connor mcdavid just think about current nhlers he's been like i would say born breathe yeah happy. and that's why he doesn't really have a personality uh at least in right. my opinion um and like like I would laugh if he got to host SNL like Wayne Gretzky did and Wayne Gretzky wasn't good at it I saw the clips I saw the clips I was like you're you're absolutely right however Peyton Manning (laughs) on the flip side had a personality he was fantastic and he was he was great in uh his non like his recent appearance in um Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talking about Emily in Paris or like last season, and it was great. I loved it. He broke it down like an like an any analyst would, and I'm like, this actually, if I didn't already watch it, this would have convinced me to watch it (laughs) in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, But it's just, it's hard when you have such a passion for a sport and you see it's good. You've seen the ugly side of it and the good side of it, like the fun side, and then you're like, this is bad. This is not good. Um, any sport. This could apply to baseball, like the steroid era. You're like, can you count? Can you count Barry Bonds? Can you count McGuire? Can you count Sosa? Like you can. Even though this, like you can count Aaron Judge for sure. He made sixty-two. That's great. That's great. But you also have to recognize, like Barry Bonds did it. Um, Sammy Sosa did it, Mark McGuire did it. However, they did it in a time where they were profiting off of the steroids era. Right. Like a very complicated thing to think about because what you know now, apply it back then. If you had known, would you have been like, yep, no, asterisks all around? Are you getting it? Yeah. Because in the moment, no one cared. In the moment, everyone was like, they could be. They could be. They could not be. Yeah, and and and, and, and the moment, and then, again, and in that era, it wasn't like. Trust me, they weren't the only ones doing it. They were just yeah. the only ones doing it to that level. Yeah. But that's the yeah that's the the key thing. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to get recognized. Like, which is sad I don't because think they're going to get in the Hall of Fame. At least, in my personal opinion, I don't think they're going to get to the Hall of Fame. 
like and I don't think Pete Rose is but I think Pete Rose that's gambling okay like the White Sox like the eight men out like that's a different thing eight men out they were quite literally forced yeah that's different I mean that's different at some point the the old school baseball writers are going to be gone and the newer generation are going to be like okay let's like this makes sense yeah because yeah. it, it's different because I think Pete Rose is actively choosing to gamble. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, 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 absolutely and was with the eight with the like the White Sox, the Black Sox at the time. They were being threatened with their lives. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how severe and how intense the mafia was, and how deep it was. Like you could threaten the lives of Shoeless Joe Jackson. You could threaten the lives of iconic figures however this is my grievance with the movie field of dreams i love ray liotta i'm gonna say that clearly you want i love ray liotta goodfellas is one of my favorite movies i think i don't think he should have played shoeless joe jackson in field of dreams (laughs) i don't think because like you read about who shoeless joe jackson was he was very much the eight men out portrayal of him Quiet, reserved, very quiet, quiet. Yeah, can talk like very soft spoken. So I think it was. I'm gonna look it up, and it's gonna bother me. But I think it was the guy who was in um, Phoebe Sweeney, maybe. In, that uh, sounds right. That actually does sound right. Yeah, maybe it's John Cusack. I can't. John Cusack was one of them. Oh, sure. I hate John Cusack. Uh, I think it was TV. <laughs> I, yeah, I couldn't, I, part of me is half and half because when High Fidelity was being filmed, my parents still lived in Wicker Park, so oh, I'm sorry. They, were, they were like this, my, my mom found out about the Rolling Stones recording, like, yeah. it was one of the, mo- like, it was one of the movie scenes, she found out about it literally a day before it happened, whatever it was, like, she couldn't make it, and she's like, are you freaking kidding me? I could have gotten in for free. Um, <laughs> but I I did watch 61, um, Billy Crystal's movie, right before uh, right before uh, he hit 61. So right before AJ, or uh, Aaron Judge tied the record. Nice. But I love that movie because I love I loved how like you found I had to like look into Mickey Mantle's life pretty much like I had to do a deep dive to be like okay fact checking really like, good at this it was true like what he yeah. went through like he was the lo- he was the only he outlived all of the men in his family lineage yeah and that is heartbreaking and it's also just like I can understand why he would live as hard as he did and why he was seen around with Marilyn Monroe. Like, he was still married to... He was living separately from his wife. Yes, still Mickey Mantle was the uh, Derek Jeter of <laughs> that time. I would say, I would say Al- Alex Rodriguez. Okay, I say more, Alex. yeah, Alex Rodriguez. at least Derek Jeter, like... I don't know if he ever... Like, he was dating Minka Kelly. Like, he was very much... It could be similar, 
but I wouldn't compare <laughs> Mika Kelly to Meryl Monroe any day. I would yeah, not okay, fair enough. Fair like, enough. I would not compare in that regard, but I think in terms of icons, like who dated, like dating history, A-Rod takes the cake. Yeah, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah, Madonna. Dated Madonna. Like, oh my God, that's great. That's insane to me. Like, I love Madonna. <laughs> but I'm like, why would you... Madonna, what's your decision-making thinking here? Like, what's your decision-making here? Madonna's or his? <laughs> you could have gone after any question. other Yankee. Oh, she probably did. Oh, only likes the best. She's like a collector. She only likes top of the line. I think she's kind of like a fix-it person. Like, I can fix him mentality. <laughs> like, I can fix some guys. I can fix them. He's going to get a higher, be- like, batting average. Yeah. Like, no, girl. Um... But oh, Madonna. I I just love watching like For Love of the Game is my favorite baseball movie. Okay. Like, out of I like that movie a lot too. Yes. I love that Vin Scully did like the whole play by play. And I, he recently passed away and I, I wanted to rewatch it, but I couldn't, but I'm gonna rewatch it soon. But I just love JK Simmons. I love John C. Riley. John C. Riley to me is one of the most underrated actors of all time in terms of his range because he can he's classically trained he can sing yeah. he did chicago um but i loved him in i can't picture anyone else in the role that he's in with winning time uh with the lakers can't, like, <laughs> Will that is fair. going to like he wanted the role yeah and now i couldn't imagine that's it. why he doesn't talk to adam mckay anymore i just read that I and read, I'm like, yeah. Oh God, imagine being that petty. Like, this is a guy you've built a relationship with over twenty plus years. Like, I can't imagine being upset. It's gotta that. be more than that. Like, but I think it might be more than that because Adam McKay. Like, the funny, the weird thing I found about the movie Vice is that Christian Bale had to do a lot of research into having like a heart issue, and he saved Adam McKay's life because Adam McKay had a heart attack. Oh. And Christian Bale was describing the symptoms of a heart attack. And he's like, uh, I got to go to the hospital real quick because I'm actively <laughs> having a heart attack. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, we got to go. But I loved, I loved that movie because I will never forget the first time I was ever introduced to Sam Rockwell. And that was the way, way back. And my mom and I were watching that movie. And it was one of those movies where you're like, let's watch it, see what happens. <laughs> we both went. Like, we knew Steve Carell was capable of playing a very dickish kind of guy. Yes. He took it to another level that I didn't even think about. Like, I'm like, oh my God, not only are you, like, the jerk in this movie, you're the bad guy. And I've seen that before in the movies that he's been in. Like, Little Miss Sunshine, to an extent, he actually is, like, the supportive uncle. And I really loved his character in that because he didn't, like, Greg Kinnear, I have a beef with <laughs> from my childhood with his role as the dad in Little Miss Sunshine because he sh- basically fat shamed his kid um, for eating ice cream and then all of the family even the grandfather went in and ate the ice cream with Olive the daughter and <laughs> growing up that was a huge thing for me is like you know what that's okay that's fine that's great but his role in that sh- and then Sam Rockwell was kind of like the father figure for the kid yeah my Rudolph's in it it's just like a really great move Tony Collette was very much the aloof kind of mom that's dating this guy and thinks he's great but he's cheating on her the whole time like it's it's a good complex movie and my mom and I were both like 
watch this but like this is a good movie like why wasn't it and then literally like a year later he won for three billboards outside ebbing's missouri like and i'm like yeah interesting interesting love francis mcdormand always will always have um but I just, I loved movies as a kid. I still do to this day. Like, I will try to see as many Oscar buzz movies as possible. Um, but I think the last time I was actually actively invested in it was when The Room came out with Brie Larson. And I think my mom and I managed to see, like, half of the ones that were being discussed. Yeah. We saw, or no, maybe it was 2014 that we were actually heavily invested. Because we saw St. Vincent in 2014. And we're like, this has to win something. Like, this has to be nominated. And it was nominated for the Golden Globes. And I think Bill Murray won for Golden Globes. But it was not nominated at all for the Oscars. And we're like, what? Hold on. You're telling me you didn't nominate Megan McCarthy for, like, sporting actress or anything? Like, she was great as the mom, or, like, the mom of the kid. Yeah. Which is another, like, deep, complex movie. And I always say, like, 2014 has to be underrated for movies released in that year. It was Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley. Um, Off the top of my head, This Is Where I Leave You, which was great ensemble cast. And they all worked so well. Even Adam Driver. And I love Adam Driver. So, like, it just, it was Jason Bateman. It was just, like, the way they played off of each other. Jane Fonda. It very much touched a part of my heart. And I'm like, I love this movie because it just... Even if you're Catholic, even if you're Jewish, like, we all have family and we all have, like, when we have to come together out of grief or out of, like, support, funerals, what have you, there will almost always be a fight. <laughs> there will almost always be something. And that's, what I, that's what I appreciated about it, because there's, like, there's no BS here. Like, we're all here. Right. We got to get through it. We got to just, we have to just get through it. So that we can come on the other side and go, all right, which one of you guys like snitch on the fam like kind of thing? Right. And you're very Catholic. I am very I mean, like I'm yeah. very liberal, but I grew up in a Jesuit parish. So like I was raised right. like the social justice part of Catholicism where like we accept everyone. You know, again, that's part of the Rogers Park upbringing. It's like we accept everyone, we accept um my parish was really accepting of a lot of things and it, it was kind of shocking really because it was not not up to it wasn't like expected and I was like okay like yeah no I grew up I grew up Catholic I'm confirmed um my confirmation name is Ignatius so like it very much it okay. is personality as much as being Irish is like we have I have a J John F. Kennedy book somewhere in my house. Yeah. I mean like it's either my dad's side, my grandma had like plates, <laughs> commemorative plates of JFK. Um, my dad had like a picture of JFK and it's come, It's apparently going to be in my possession at one point. And it's just, it was just such a focal point of like faith, family, like kind of thing. Um, and just like clinging on to that as a kid, like you're being like being part of a huge family it's it's a with extended with like extent cousins siblings friends family like you know that no matter what happens like at the end of the day I'll still have like my cousins I talk to on a daily basis like I still have 
whoever is in my corner. And that's the overwhelming part of family for me is like, I have such a big family on both sides, my fam, on my mom's side and my dad's side that it's like intense and like, oh my God, like I know a lot of people love me, but it's overwhelming at times. Cause you're like, gee, okay, like, come on guys. Like not all at once. Like let's <laughs> tone down the Facebook comments. All right. I have a question. Another, as, as I generally do with here. Um, do you have any inklings of following in your mother's footsteps? Like, has that ever, do you ever see yourself, I don't want to say becoming her, but being more like her or following where she's, go, where she is or so opposite? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Opposite, probably. I, I get asked a lot, like, do you plan on going to law school? Like, do you want to be like your mom? Like, my mom is a judge and she's incredible. And, you know, like I support women that want to be, grow up to be like her. And I support women that maybe want to go the opposite route. For me, the one constant I've always known is like, I wanted to work in sports and I I had that one track mindset. It didn't matter what entity I was in. I knew I always wanted to work in sports. And part of me with like, she lobbied a lot for her when she was a prosecutor and she passed a lot of important bills. And part of me was like, well, maybe I could do public policy and like do lobbying work and advocate for athletes in that regard. But my brain is just so wired towards listening and being an active like listener and supporting people that like I couldn't, I couldn't give that up to do like a career that I was kind of passionate about. Kind of like the lobbying thing could be a great side thing, but I really wanted to focus on being a sports psychologist because it's like, it's a needed role and it, like if I'm a counselor and then I get my doctorate, great. I just wanted to be like the person that can like people can go to to talk about stuff. Right. As well as being the person that like, okay, like, hey, here's the legal side of this stuff. You are actually eligible to like not sue, but like you're you're allowed to do whatever you want. Right. Um, kind of thing. But I love my mom. I definitely would if I'm like half the mom that she like she was a very dedicated mom and I will say that she still is um my number one supporter my number one person kind of thing yeah and I would want to be like her in that regard where I just I have hopefully I'll have multiple kids I plan on having four um (laughs) all right I I just want to be like the one that my kids can go to if they have like an issue or they need to talk something out but I'd also want to be like, I'm your mom first. So like me coming at you from your mom, flame. I know. Cause I'm your parent. Right. But it's just, I know that she has my back majority of the time. Sometimes I will fall on the sword and be like, I'm wrong in this instance. I am 100% in the wrong. Um, but I don't see myself 
in her career path is what I'm trying. I don't see myself becoming a lawyer. I don't see myself becoming a judge. And there's no shame in that. She has reassured me plenty of times. It's, there's no shame in wanting to be like not wanting to be go in her career field. And it's not that I felt shame from other people asking those questions. They're very valid questions. Um, I've had friends go like, I see you as like the powerful attorney that takes down the NHL. I'm like, great. All right. Not what I want to do. Yeah. Like, not what I want to do. <laughs> I don't want to be the Aaron Brockovich or the Elle Woods of the NHL. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, don't want to do that. Um, and I mean, would I entertain the thought of, I've entertained the thought of going to law school, but at the same time, the spiteful side of me is like, no, I can't do anything. Out of, I can't do that specifically out of spite. Um, but she like has supported any dream of mine from like wanting to be a cowgirl as a kid to like now is wanting to be a sports psychologist. All right. I, she's entertained some crazy ideas I had of what I wanted to be when I grow up when I grew when I was growing up and I think one summer in particular I was really captivated by Twister the movie which is easy to do yeah easy to do I would easily want to be a storm chaser I wanted to be a storm chaser for a while and then I was like oh we got like I got A's in environmental science but it was like the environmental science that was kind of easy you know yeah. I don't know if I could do this because I don't think I could make this a career path for me. But I just loved, um, like, even when I was just like, yeah, mom, owe me the first short stop for the Chicago White Sox. Like, I was little and I had a speech impediment, so, like, I couldn't really say. <laughs> okay. I'm like, okay, honey, yeah, you can do that. It's going to take a lot of work, but you can do it. I'm like, you know what, mom, never mind. I think I'm going to be better at this. <laughs> like, it was just, it just, she always had my back and she always had, she still does, even when I know I'm not in the right, but I'm not quite in the wrong. I'm in the in-between. Yeah. Um, and then my dad was always like, you know, you'd be real. my mom's always been like, you cannot, unless you're a college professor or maybe in high school English teacher, you could teach, but you wouldn't be good as a teacher and I'm like no I kind of eliminated it early on when I started saying like god kids are stupid and I was with my classmates in a I class. mean they are that's okay I mean, it was middle school too like I always joked that I'd be a great middle school teacher because I would just pray I would just attack their awkwardness but then I thought about it and I'm like I wouldn't really want to be the middle school teacher. no that's a bully that's not a teacher that's mean that's being yeah, mean that's really just a and bully in high school and then, like, I thought about high school English teacher being, like, a loving, supportive, like, I'm here for you if you need me, because I was once in your shoes. And I'm like, I'd have to read these books that I read. And some of them I didn't even like. Right. And they and would have hate to that. teach them symbolism. Like, I yeah. don't want to teach symbolism about the great Gatsby. It was a book. I and they don't want to learn it in high school either. They don't want to learn it. And then you're like, God, you got to read Fahrenheit 451. Like, oh, sophomore God. year of high school, I had to read, or junior year was my least favorite year for English, because we had to read, like, the Canterbury Tale. It was Britlet, so I remember. Because yeah. the teacher we had was, I don't even think she got her degree confer conferred. That's how fresh out of college she was. That's safe. And my mom shows up to the parent-teacher conference, and she goes, honey, honey, these girls are going to, these these girls are going to be vicious to you. <laughs> vicious. Where did you go to yeah. high school? Oh, you did not go to an all-girls school. Okay, yeah, no, they're going to hurt you. They're going to go for your for the accurate insecurities of you. And I'm like, Mom, are you 
I didn't do that. And she's like, honey, your classmates did though. And that's why she didn't make it through the year. That's why she didn't know what learning disabilities were. <laughs> fair, point, fair point. I did have a hard time reading in her class. But positive side, we got to see Macbeth that year. And that was great. We got to see it live. It was awesome. I, that was probably like one of the books besides Pride and Prejudice that I was like, these are the two books I'm going to yeah. take and love because they were fun. Not fun. Like, I, I mean, I liked Macbeth because it was cool, you know, right. like very much. I liked the darker side of Shakespeare. And, but it wasn't like we were reading, like my sophomore year, we were reading, I could not get through uh, Catcher in the Rye. I, I, I got through it. I read it. But I was like, I'm not going to like this. Right. But The Secret Life of Bees, we read that year. And then we watched the movie. And all I look at all, like my classmates, I'm bawling my eyes out. Everyone else is like bawling their eyes out too. But that didn't prepare us for junior year when we had to take morality class and we had to take an in-school field trip to watch um, Schindler's List. Oh, that's awful. So we watch it. Yeah. Like, that's when I knew our class was like very different than the younger classes because the younger classes are like very much immature, again, younger in age, but also younger in generational difference. I guess. Even in that, like my class, we were 97, 98. Some of us vividly remember growing up in a time where everything was unrest, nothing was really calm, and right. things like that. Like, just simple things, not simple, complex things like that. So we had empathy. We had already been through a Holocaust review at some point, sixth grade. I remember reading Night and going to the Holocaust Museum, seventh grade, and I started crying. Like, I couldn't get through the whole tour. Like, I started crying immediately. Mm in the entryway like just going in you felt the heaviness yeah and we watched schindler's list we're going into our classrooms and we're just like waving not talking my mom i think she picks me up whatever it was i got a long commute home and i, I wasn't talking i wasn't sitting in silence and my mom was like honey 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 it was saturday night and she was like this is not like you I don't like this. Mm. Um, we're going to go see a movie. Maybe that'll like get you out of this yeah. thing. And I'm like, <sighs> I start crying. No, <laughs> start yeah. Because you don't think about it. You don't think about like the weight of it. And then Not until Wilson, after, yeah. And you're seeing Wilson, it. When he says, I could have saved more. Could have saved more. And then you just start like my, my classmates and I were shocked. Like we were in shock. And that was also the same semester where I was formerly, so I had watched Goodwill Hunting growing up, bits and pieces, but so junior year was when I really connected it from a moral standpoint, because um, we watched it in a morality class, and my teacher was amazing, Mr. Adam Oppo. I love him to death. He's my favorite high school teacher of all time. But we watched it, we watched Schindler's List, and I think my mom would take me to go see a comedy, so I would like, <laughs> yes. it. and I'm like, mom, Mommy could have saved more. And I'm like, she's like, honey, honey, it's it, it, she's like, oh fuck, I can't even say it's a movie because it was based on a truth. It's based, it's real. Well, then that's the, yeah. And I, like it was the parenting decision here. Like I think we saw. It, oh god, what did we see? We couldn't see a heavy movie because I was like, we're not seeing a sad movie. Yeah. And it was, I think, right. I, think I have only been able to see that movie once. I, that's uh, the thing. One of those movies where you can see it, like Manchester by the Sea for me and my mom, we still talk about it as like one of the most devastating movies we've seen yeah. that still messes us up and we can uh, never rewatch it. We can never go back and rewatch it. 
We're like, it's, we're just like, I, we haven't watched. We still talk about like, do we, did we really need to call our therapist after that? Like I almost, I emailed mine. I emailed mine. Full disclosure. I emailed my counselor at the time in school and college. I was like, my, uh, Hey Holly, just so you know, um, if I seem off, I just watched Manchester by the sea. Uh, it's gonna <laughs> a little bit. It, it hurt my soul. Like that's no, I, it's so good is when you feel like for me, it's only been the movies that I've watched once and never went back to that just hit you in the soul. Oh, absolutely. Movie, when it, like, when a movie like, and, and <laughs> I love and hate it, but when a movie connects with something inside you, like it's what you said. Um, I've seen Goodwill Hunting probably a dozen times, but favorite. I didn't finally, it's probably like these last three times at the end when he said it's not your fault. And it Stop. finally I, connects. I, and then I was like, oh my God. And then you start going to yours and like, holy shit. Yeah. I, when my junior year, like I'd already gone through a lot. Like I lost my grandmother. Um, and then that spring of 2015, my mom's best friend passed from cancer. It's not even a year after my grandma dies. And my mom had already gone through losing her mom, not having her parents anymore, and then losing her best friend to cancer. Yeah. Like it was just a lot. And in eighth grade, I remember watching Goodwill Hunting with one of my best one of my best guy friends at the time, and he was like, "Guys, shut up! Like we're watching this movie. Like Delia and I are watching the movie. We're invested." And I'm like, "I, I hate to say it, I'm not invested in watching it because everyone else is being jerks and like talking to the movie." And then junior year is when it finally like I watched it and I couldn't stop crying because it wasn't just like the sadness of it, it wasn't just the grief of it. It was just connecting with the character like oh yeah like you like in my lifetime i've definitely been both sean i've been you, you can connect with the characters as you grow older like skyla i always say skyla like skyla uh, in the boston accent but you can i connected with her because of like losing loved ones and not having anyone and like not knowing what to do when you can't talk to the one person that you would talk to yeah often. so i love that movie is still like my favorite movie of any movie I've seen because in the last year, like how many years I've watched it, it's I always go back to the, it's not your fault scene and like See, yeah cornering yourself with like it's not your fault what happened to you like See, you are not oh yeah thing that ever happened to you like it's See, not your fault. I've had it twice so that one just happened like recently when I realized that part of it um, before. And it resonated with me. And this is part of the reason, which was literally right before I quit the Cubs, honestly. Yeah. And this was the kicker um, is when, and I'm going to call him Ben. And he says, one morning, I just want to sh show up here and you not answer the door. And you just not yes, be here. Yes, Ben. And I kept, goes, I just want you to not be here. Yeah. And I kept thinking, and this is when I was miserable with the Cubs. Yeah. I would just keep showing up and keep showing up. And I was like, and it resonated, like, and again, it's been, I've been there 20 years. It's like, one, people are going to come here, and they're going to expect me to be here, and I'm not going to be here anymore. And that's when everything changes. And and that's, and I think I saw that that same week. And that's, it was in my head, and that was just, like, part of the motivation of, yeah. The expectation, people never leave. It's time 
it's I don't know where I was gonna go, but it's time to go. So and that was that and again it was seeing that movie that week that was part of the Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Push out the door for me. And the so. thing I love about Robin Williams so much, like I loved him in Night at the Museum as Teddy Roosevelt. Like that's like my siblings were at the peak age of watching that stuff. And I was also at the peak age of like watching it with them as like their big sister. And he was the third movie and it was his last role. Uh, and he goes, so are you ready for your next adventure? And Ben Stiller goes, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. He's like, how exciting. Like the, the prospect. <laughs> The, it just was so deep for like me at the time I'm like oh my god like how exciting like you don't and then I'm like I have anxiety Robin Williams I don't I need to know what I'm gonna do <laughs> like I but it's letting yourself be okay with the unknown that has been so scary for me at times because I'm like well I could like when I was going to transfer Loyola I was like well I could transfer Loyola or I could stay at this school where I feel like I've outgrown it and right. like with Loyola, it's like my family went there, like my, my mom went there, she went there for undergrad and law school, like my uncle went there, like my grandfather went there as part of the GI Bill. Like it's been so in my blood that like I can't not go. Right. And after graduating this past summer, like I didn't realize um until my aunt told me the day of I graduated. So I'm named after my great grandmother, Delia, who came from Ireland and built a life here in Chicago and she her birthday was the day I walked across the stage at Loyola and wow. it was like it, my aunt was of course trying to get me she's trying to make me cry whether that was her intent is another thing but if she just wanted me to like feel uh she goes and you are beyond her wildest dreams and expectations like you are far like she you carry her name so well in your own unique way that she is she is just beyond beyond what she dreamed of when she came here and at 18 hmm. whatever and that's why I'm like I try to be like I I always cry during the song I got a name by Jim Croce yeah my dad put it in a high school graduation like video for me and it was one of the songs that he put in and my my stepmom my, my dad's wife called me and she's she's like I've never seen him cry the way he cried putting together your high school graduation photo like video like he bawled his eyes out multiple times. Oh. And I'm like, oh, dad. And I'm like, yeah, this is the same guy that like cried at. Um, like we, we talked, I think the other day we were talking and he's like, I can't get through the Dahmer Netflix series because I'm going to have nightmares for weeks. I'm like, now I know where I get the vivid nightmares from. Netflix. <laughs> because I can't watch certain stuff because I know I'll have nightmares. Like right. I watch Poltergeist at way too early of an age. And I was like the blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that would likely get sucked into the TV. You would definitely be in the TV, absolutely. I, I mean, would, we would know how to get I you out. I want to touch it. I want to go for it. Like I, I'm, I, my mom dressed me up. Um, since I was really little, I looked like Drew Barrymore in ET, and so she would dress me up as a little pig. 
tails that look just like Drew Barrymore in that oh movie. Oh my gosh. And it was funny. And then I'm like, Mom, now I kind of look like the kid from like Poltergeist. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm the girl that goes, hey, I'm going to yeah. see what happens. But as I've gotten older, I've been confident in my ability to survive a scary movie. Because first of all, if I know the idiots are going in the group and it's a haunted, abandoned place, I'm not going. If I if I have friends that are smart and they're not Fair going, enough. I'm not going. If okay. there's a party and everyone's like, oh, let's split up. No, I'm not no, going to no, no. put myself in that situation where we're splitting up. Because <laughs> like, um, I joked like, yeah, you know, sometimes I think, thank God I wasn't as social in high school because it could have ended up in a slasher. It could have ended up in a slasher movie. Oh, easily. Easily. You put yourself in those situations, it's going to happen. Like, come on, Kevin Bacon. You knew it was going to happen. If I've learned anything about being social and scary movies is the more fun you have, the more likely you are to die. Yeah, it's your downfall. If you go into abandoned buildings, don't. (laughs) But I, yeah, I just loved, like, I couldn't watch scary movies growing up. And, like, all my friends were into them. And I'm like, I can't watch Chucky that's too real and they're like it's a fake doll you don't know that you don't know you don't know i think i literally couldn't be again with scary movies like i can't be near like the little oh my god marie alexander i think was the name like the creepy little beady eye dolls yeah i grew up with american girl dolls and i had them because i liked the historical aspect of them and i think that's where my parents probably thought i would have been a history major in high in college at some point because i was obsessed with the history of each american girl doll i had okay but then i was like no sports that's gonna be my thing like maybe i'd be a sports historian or something or something cool and i was like no it's a lot of reading it's a lot of unnecessary non-digestible stuff but it was funny because it was just interesting to read about like what these dolls lived through and i connected the most with julie albright uh the 70s girl because a she was first girl on her basketball team i was not but my mom definitely grew up in a title nine era where she succeeded Mm. successful basketball player and she had two older sisters that that wasn't an option right really you could play it if you went to an all-girls school. Like you could play it, but it wasn't afforded to you. Um, and I think my my aunt Eileen was like one of the first uh, to play like in high at a high school level after Title IX. She went to high school in the early '80s, so it was like right after, pretty much like pretty much right after. Okay. Um, and we were talking about this. She's like my aunt Annie and my aunt Mary Pat were very successful. Uh, teachers in the CPS that like very long-term started countless programs that helped uh, students. My aunt Annie taught deaf students for 30 years at Bell. And then my aunt Mary Pat uh, started the IB program at Sen. So like very much like teaching was kind of, yeah, that was a bar. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't go to that bar. Like I can, but it's not where my heart is. And so- when I said like my major sport, I'm have a bachelor's of business administration, sport management, and a minor in marketing. My Annie was like, that was just like something that you couldn't ever dream of doing growing up. Like with your aunt Eileen, with your mom, the fact that your mom's a judge and the fact that your aunt Eileen is successful at 
I won't give her position away, but she's very, very successful and she's amazing. That's something we couldn't even dream of doing. Right. Like think about it. It was like you're a teacher, you're a nurse, you're a secretary. It was very much the standard during the time they were growing up. And I think like 50 years later in Title IX, there's so much sports ha- like growing up playing a sport, growing up in around the sports industry, growing up and working in the sports industry. There's so much I'm grateful for for the, like the pioneers of women in sport and women women's sports and there's so much more that the future generations that are coming in after me and before me and in between that we can all work together and make it better and make it more accessible that really absolutely so i gotta ask yes winter's coming and then summer what is the next evolution for you after like because you've you've been working at all these 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 places what is the next step for you as far as what you're looking to accomplish or become? So next step, I'm planning I am going to be working for the Blackhawks as part of their fan events and experiences team. So yes. I hope to gain a lot more knowledge on the fan side of things, even though I in my customer experience role, <sighs> like working in retail, I've been able to pivot a lot. And it's my favorite part of working in retail is like pivoting and going like, well, this might not be a great option, but I think this one, will, this one will do it. And it's getting the flip side of it where they're like, oh no, I really see myself in that out. Like, hold on. I love it so much. I need, I'm going to get it. Okay. Kind of. so, a question. Yes. What, so what are the particulars of your fan service role? So particulars is just working uh, kind of, building up the sets and stuff like I'll be working directly with like the theme kind of things um haven't been trained yet but training is was delayed because of the Harry Styles concert that got rescheduled to Sunday to Monday they rescheduled it he rescheduled it from tonight to Monday oh (laughs) so we can't I'm like and they added a day and and they added a day which is even better yeah I love her I, I don't, I will say, like, I love Harry Styles, but I'm on Jason Sudeikis' side in terms of the breakup. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Ted Lasso got me through a dark period of time. So. <laughs> uh, All right. But pivoting back, I, I'm just really excited to kind of, like, help the people I interviewed with, I hope, were hired on as new people. They seem to really express the passion, as well as did I, to want to make hockey more inclusive and more accessible and more just have everyone want to be part of something bigger. So I'm very much a fan of that and I'm excited to see where it takes me. And I'm also excited to kind of just grow not only my resume, but just grow as a person too. All right, guys. Um, that was my girl, Julia. So a bit of a long one, but very informative, very fun. Uh, I loved it. I love talking to her. I love talking to to her. We'll definitely do more with Lula. Um, I won't keep you guys. Have a good week. Uh, it's the holiday season. Stay warm. Try to stay, not get sick. And I will talk to you guys soon. All right. Take care. This time and I'd rather be high